0: Okay, back in Galatians chapter 1. All right, before we get going back on this, I do want to have prayer, so bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint us to teach the gospel, Lord, that you would be the teacher, and we are the students, Lord. For it is your word whispered to us by unction of the Holy Spirit. In truth and in righteousness do we want it, Lord. We don't want it in man's theories, but God, we want it accurately and purely the word of God. And we ask your blessings in Christ Jesus's name. Amen. Lots of people have theories on what things mean in the Bible. Some people say, well, that's not what it means to me. Okay, well, that statement is the statement of misunderstanding. Of what the scripture is, okay? The scripture means what it says and it interprets itself and it doesn't need your interpretation to understand it. God had an intent in mind when he spoke it. It is pure and it's undefiled. And listen, if it can mean many different things, then how could anybody go to heaven or hell? Because there would be chaos. And you make your own truth. Well man couldn't exist making his own truth. And making his own way. Thus we needed a savior. A savior had to come to save us. Because we do not know the way. Okay. That you need to understand. If it was left up to man. We would be a people most miserable. There would be no, how could God be just in judgment if you just live how the word means to you? Paul was fighting this kind of thing, even though these were Judaizers we've been talking about. And they were trying to mix the law with Jesus. Okay. They were trying to mix the two together. All right. Judaism plus Jesus. Jesus. That is not the purity of the New Testament gospel that Jesus brought. You have to understand that. Paul would settle for absolutely nothing less. Let me just talk just a little bit about this before we get into these verses. Paul was given direct revelation from Jesus Christ. We're going to read that, okay? It was directly from the Lord to him. What the church got was directly from Jesus. All right. He had an absolute zeal, the same kind of zeal that he had, drive if you will, to enforce the law of Moses before he got saved to make sure the church Preached and taught and lived a pure New Testament gospel of grace through Jesus Christ, with the same zeal and power with the love of God. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You can think you're right all day wrong, but all day long, but it doesn't mean you're right. The only way to check yourself is in the scripture. If you can't produce theory that lines up with God's word, then listen, you have to be humble enough. You have to have enough humility to where you can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to make an adjustment because my thinking was incorrect. You have to, okay? The purity of the gospel must remain. Now, I will tell you the tendency of man is we get tired of stuff awful easy. We like new things in a new way. We like to mix it up, as they say. I was talking to a pastor here, a local pastor, uh, just the other night, and who pastors a large church, and we were talking about this. I said, you know, in our church, I said, I have the faithful few. I said, when we're lucky, we'll have 20. When we're lucky. Maybe more than that if we serve chicken. Can I get an amen? Everybody real loud. Amen. Yeah. But in a congregation of several hundred, there is a lack of understanding per person because they do not get the training and the biblical knowledge that you're able to relate to a few and to be able to answer questions and to have understanding of what the scripture says accurately is the most important thing that you could ever have. People love a tainted gospel. In this big church, I, I, I told him, I said, you know, I said, I don't know that the mom and pop church, and that's what we kind of are like, right? The mom and pop church that's getting run out by Walmart, you know, the, the, the big store comes in and runs the mom and pop shops out, you know. Well, because we don't have the lattes before Church, And we don't have the basketball team and the bowling team and and we don't have all the extracurricular things going on. I tell you the truth, if you take all them things away and just feed the gospel, people go away. Now, that's the truth. I've experienced that. I know that to be the truth. Okay. At any given time, you can get a crowd. Jesus pointed that out to us in the scripture when he says, you follow me to the crowd that was following him around because I fed you, okay? But they wanted what Jesus could give them, but they didn't want Jesus. That's the difference in people, okay? Paul was after understanding. He wasn't after understanding. Uh, you know, the, this, this new thing that they were trying to do. It was a corrupt, contemptible gospel that they were preaching. He said it was. He said it was a false gospel by false prophets coming in and confusing people. And then he later on says, and we're gonna get into this here in just a minute, in the book of Acts, he predicted that after he was gone, there would be wolves come in and ravage the congregation and lead them astray, causing confusion. Paul was absolutely committed to the purity of the message. You and I have to be absolutely, it has not changed, dedicated to the message. There is no difference in it. What was good for them is good for us. Okay, So we're going to add life application to it here in a minute. We're going to do some study and then I'm going to ask you, okay, what have we learned and how do we apply that? Okay, so in Galatians chapter one, verse six, this is what he says. He said, I am astonished. And, you know, we covered a little bit of this. I think We, we touched on it maybe a little bit. He said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Let me just talk about that for just a second. Probably one of the biggest tragedies that I've seen in, my, in, in the ministry that Jesus has given me is the turning away from the gospel. I can't tell you the number of people that I know and have seen come and go. Hundreds, hundreds. I think I sat down one night and wrote a list and I think it got up into what, three, four, five hundred people that I could set and I could name. Now, the turning away that I'm speaking of is just a little bit different. These people stayed in church, but they turned to another gospel, okay? Which is just as bad, but a lot of the people, they turn to another gospel too because they have to have something else to mix with the word of God. And really what we're only supposed to be doing is preaching, teaching, and praying. Okay? Okay? But when someone needs more than that, and they need glamour and glitz and things of this nature, and they start taking away from the word of God and replacing it, the only way the word of God is enjoyable to a person is if they're getting these things. And there's nothing wrong with singing and all that. We do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with praise and worship. That's a great thing. You just have to make sure that the message stays the same. Whether it's in the music, whether it's in the singing, whether it's in the teaching or the preaching, but the purity of the message must stay the same. Okay? But these people were turning away. Can you remember, you know, when you started off from the grace of God? The Galatians had started off so wonderfully because Paul came there and began that church. And he preached to them, and people got saved. And then he said, I'm amazed that you're turning away from the grace of God so quickly. Do you remember when you got saved and how the love of God just filled your heart and you were enjoying the fact that you were a new creation? Now, a lot of people think and this is where a lot of people go wrong. They think if I believe in Jesus, I'm saved. That is not right. Yes, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. But you have to believe in in, in an expression of faith that Jesus will become your Lord and Savior with a repentant heart, with a broken and contrite heart. And you and you will be filled with God's Holy Spirit and he will save you. But what I'm saying is this, the devils in hell believe in Jesus. But how many people here would say that they're saved? No, there's a difference in believing with knowledge. And believing with your heart, soul, and faith. That's the difference. You can believe and not go to heaven. That is an amazing contradiction. You have to be more, you have to have more than just knowledge of God and who he is. There are people, there are are many different religions who don't believe in being born again, who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but they do believe in Jesus. And they do believe that Jesus was called the Messiah. Okay? But they are not saved. When a person truly gets saved and the purity of the gospel is preached to them, listen, they change inside. God makes his abode within you. Jesus himself said that when you get past the knowledge and you get to faith and you and you pour your heart out to God, you, you remember, look at the difference. Look at the difference. Do you remember the woman that was that that barged in on Jesus in his meeting with the Pharisees, and he was teaching there, and he went into the Pharisees' house, and and then this woman just come barging in, and she began to cry at Jesus' feet. Do you guys remember that? That's a person that got saved because she broke about every single secular and religious law you could break by doing that. First of all, she was considered to be unclean. She was probably a prostitute. She had probably heard Jesus preach and it probably touched her heart. And she began to feel sorrowful in her heart. This is what happens to a person when they get saved. You start to look inwardly. You you start to recognize that, oh my goodness, I do need a savior. My gosh, I am lost. I am dirty. I am filthy. I've done this. I've done that. And you begin to have a godly sorrow that fills your heart. And you know that the only way that you can get relief from that is to go to Jesus and be forgiven. And when you go in that manner, God will save your life. And that woman did that. She went in and it was, it was considered to be unclean to be around her, to touch her. You had to go through a ceremonial cleansing process if you touched the person like that. She went into this person's home unannounced, uninvited, and she just made her way and grabbed the Lord, I mean, a, 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 a rabbi grabbed him and started crying upon his feet, washing, look, look, look at the humility in this, taking her hair and washing his desert, dirty feet with her tears. Brothers and sisters, that is true repentance. That is sincerity and humility. That woman, Jesus looked at her And then he looked at the the, the Pharisee, who was a, a supposed righteous man. And he looked and he said, you know what? When I entered into your house, you never kissed me. Because you were supposed to greet one another with a holy kiss. He said, she has not ceased to kiss my feet since I've been in here. He goes, you never anointed my head with oil when I came in your house. But her tears have fell down upon me. And he looked at the woman and he said, woman, your sins, which are many, are forgiven you. Go and sin no more. That woman got what she was looking for. Listen, that's like prayer, is it not? We're watching prayer in action in that word picture I just gave you, that story. That woman knelt on the ground to Jesus you watched as you read through the scripture in your mind's eye, Jesus reply to her. Listen, with understanding, church, let him that has an ear to hear, let him hear what I'm saying to you. You've seen a prayer and how it happens. The woman would stop at nothing to get to Jesus because she knew she needed him. She didn't care what people thought. She or her soul needed to be forgiven. So she went and she knelt down in, in, in a form of prayer. And as she prayed, she was talking to Jesus. Listen, Jesus talked back to her and forgave her of her sins. That's how this works. You just can't see. Do you understand? How you watched a prayer in your mind's eye when you read that Bible story. That's how it works. These Galatians were trying to change this message that brings this about. And Paul was upset about it. He was upset that they would dare start off in that form of grace, just like that woman right there. And she got saved and delivered. I mean, God forgave her of her sins. Okay. Now, at that point in time, the Holy Spirit had not been given. But that woman right there represents a person whose sins are forgiven. Imagine starting off like that, getting everything that your heart needs, getting saved in this New Testament era that we're living in. And then thinking, you've got to change that message now because it's not good enough. You're watching that happen all over the place. You just watch these prosperity preachers and you watch these people talk. They've changed the gospel into money making to fleece the flock of God. Paul knew that this was going to happen and he's seen the purity changing in the church And it says in the book of Romans, Paul penned this himself, Romans chapter three, verse 20 says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The only thing that the law produces is knowledge of when you do wrong. It does not produce the answer. And there is no mixing it in the church. Jesus was your sacrifice, go to him, go to him, just like that woman did. You know, I can remember when, and I'm just touching on this one verse here, uh, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I can remember when Jesus came into my soul and saved my life. It was all I thought about. It was all I desired. I only wanted to read the Bible. I basically got rid of almost every book in my house because I thought what could be greater than this this book right here to read. I don't want to waste my time reading something else. That's the kind of zeal I had when I first got saved. I, didn't want, I spent my lunch breaks in the Bible. I would get in my work truck and I would drive over to Eastwood Lake and I'd be alone and apart from everyone. And there I would read every day for years. I did that. Every day. I told God to search my home and my house and my heart and anything that was displeasing to Him till I would remove it. And I, I systematically went through my house and got rid of everything in my house that was displeasing to the Lord. I can't imagine starting off, you know, finding that treasure hidden in a field like the word says. And then turning away from it. Turning away from what saved you. Okay. How easy it is for people to forget how they started and try to, do, try to, try to go some different way. OK, it's very important to remember this. I'm going to touch on a little bit more than this before we get into the next step here. But he says to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel hyphen, which is really no gospel at all. There's no gospel. What church said nice and loud so our listeners can hear? What does the word gospel mean? Good news. What'd you say? Good news. Good news. There's no good news in the law, folks. Right? You did wrong. They had a rock concert on your head just outside the walls of Jerusalem. Outside, Just outside. Boom, you were dead meat. That's the way it went. Children were caught unruly in the sight of elders. They could be taken from you and stoned to death. That was the law. And it was applied to people. That happened a lot. When you stole, you were disciplined. If you committed any violation against the Ten Commandments of God, let me tell you, you were going to Hurtville real quick like. No exceptions. No exceptions. He says, which is no gospel at all, Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Folks, let me tell you something. God help the person who perverts the gospel. God help the person who takes this blessed word that was bled and died for and given to us. The best that heaven had came, bled, and died. And rose again to give it to us. To take this word and twist it into something that benefits them. Or to change it and cause somebody else to follow it and not make it to heaven. There is a reason why the Bible says, listen, the scripture clearly says this. Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Here's the, here's the, here's the deal. It's not like the newspaper says. Not everybody goes to heaven. You read the obituaries and they went to be with the Lord. Did they? Because let me tell you, if you're not saved, you're not gone. And that's the bottom line. According to what the Lord said himself, there are more people that go to hell than go to heaven. As a matter of fact, a lot more. That's a sad thing. I, I know that's terrible. And I don't want to see them like Debbie Downer message tonight. And I would love to preach you this fuzzy thing like, hell, oh boy, man, when you lay it down, you're going to heaven. Oh, you will if you're, if you're saved. That's the good news. There is a way to miss it. Okay. But Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to heaven. And few there be that find it. Few, few. Everybody say few with me. One, two, three. Few there be that find it. How many is few? A lot less than many. Right? That's the story. Paul, and I say that to say this. Paul was so upset at this because that would be the consequence That's the consequence of believing a false message. You've got to keep it pure and what it is. You can't make it fit 2020. It fits already. You don't have to change it. You don't have to doctor it up. It is what it is. And God still saves and he still delivers. Pastor Hamilton, I was talking to him and he wouldn't mind me bringing this up. He was in the hospital with COVID and he was hanging on to his life just by thread. And he told me with tears and, and sadness in his voice, he said, I thought I was going home to see my mom. He I was ready to go home. He said, oh, but brother, the word come to me. He said, the word kept coming to me and encouraging me. He goes, I couldn't read the Bible, but the word came to me. I said, you know, I can can relate to that. When I was in the hospital and I was in full AFib and my heartbeat was up 300 beats a minute, they said, Mr. Keaton, your heart is racing as if you have ran a marathon and you're still running. They said, if we can't get your heart to slow down, you're going to pass away. They said, as a matter of fact, you could pass away at any minute. Now, when somebody tells you that and you can feel your heart going crazy in your chest, let me tell you something, it brings a new revelation to you in your relationship to God. I knew that at any second, I could step into heaven. Any minute. And you know, I took a deep breath and I felt peace and I, and I heard the word saying this, I'm an ever-present help in times of need. I'm an ever-present help in time of trouble. And I kept hearing this in my mind. I, it, it was like a, a, a voice and a word that come to my head. I'm an ever-present help in times of trouble. That's out of the Scripture ever-present help in times of trouble. And I started praying it out loud. And I said, Lord, you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. And the emergency room doctor come over that told me that I could die at any minute. And I asked him, I said, does a person's heart ever just stop and go back into normal rhythm? When it's like this, he said, I've never seen it. He goes, not in your particular case. He goes, we're going we're to have to hit you with the, with the electrodes uh, and try to force it back in. Or we're going to have to stop your heart and then start it again. I said, well, I don't think I like either one of those options. And then I'm sitting there quietly praying. I didn't feel anything. And he yells from across the emergency room and he says, hey, you made a liar out of me. You're normal now. Amen. Yes. So here I was back in normal rhythm. I went from 300 beats a minute to 70 some beats a minute. And you know who did that? My Lord did that. That's who did that. And let me tell you something. That brought a new dedication and devotion in my heart. And love to the Lord. And it should for you too. And Brother Tim says that word just kept coming to me. And as he was out walking the other day. And he's getting up where he can almost walk a mile. And now he's out of there. And he's, he's getting ready to go back to church. And, and I tell you. The purity of the word will do that to you. It will be there for you. It will escort you into the gates of heaven. It will take you to the most high God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It will take you to the streets of gold. It will take you to your your ancestors that walked beyond the Jordan. It will take you to the mansion that he's prepared for you on high. The pure, undefiled word will do that for you. Paul knew that and he had to keep it pure because if not... It's just a death sentence for the hearers thereafter. He says, but even if we listen to this, this is very prophetic, because in the Mormon faith they believe that they got a new gospel from an angel on these tablets of stone. Paul says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, then the one we've preached to you, let them be under God's curse. I don't care if you hear an angel come down from heaven and preach something to you different than what I have preached. You know why? He got that straight from Jesus Christ. And there are angels out there. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, be careful how you treat strangers for some have entertained angels unaware that say good angels demons are fallen angels he said but even if we are we uh, or an angel from heaven should preach another gospel then the one we preach to you let them be under god's curse and then he reiterates it and says it again so now i say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel then what you have accepted let him be under god's curse then he says am i trying to win the approval of human beings or god or am i trying to please people If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the reason why he said that was this. A lot of the Judaizers who were starting to throw confusion into the church was telling these Gentile believers that Paul is only, he's he's watering down the gospel, the the true message so that you Gentiles will be able to to, 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 to go through with it without obeying all, the, all the, the, the statutes of the law, which is impossible. And so they accused Paul of giving them greasy grace. A message that you don't have to do anything to earn. Thank God. Thank God Jesus did all the work. And they were accusing him, saying, you removed the law just simply because you don't want to put that burden on the Gentile people. And Paul says, "Okay, now I just threw some anathemas out there and some curses out there. Now, am I trying to please people? Or am I trying to please God? He ain't trying to please people. He's trying to save people. Now, from what we've talked about, how do we then apply this truth of the pure gospel to our lives? How do we do it? Life application here. What's a good way to experience and live the purity of the gospel? How do we take this, what we've learned tonight, what i this little bit I've talked about, how do we take this and put it in our life? Anybody? Well, like the Bible says, let a man examine himself. So see how your life lines up with the gospel. And if it doesn't, you need to change, not the gospel. Right. Amen. Anybody else? It's just that whenever you're always be aware of trying to, trying to please God with things that you do and not man, just always be aware of that. Don't ever try to please man first. You know, just because you're in a situation where... It would be really easy to do that. Yeah. So listeners, if you didn't hear that on the phone, what, what our parishioner said was the way we could put this in our life and apply it is live our lives to please God and not worry about what men think right and to only live the gospel and let the gospel the other parishioner said change you and not you try to change the gospel those are two absolutely correct answers anybody else What do we got to do to know that we're knowing the truth? Read the gospel. You have to read it, don't you? You, you, you have to glean an understanding. I, I, want, I want you to all to read the New Testament. Okay. You're going to come up with questions because there's going to be things that don't make sense to you because you don't know the law. But that's what I'm here for and I can help you with that. But once you read the whole thing, then start, then you your mind, you'll start, the Holy Spirit will start working with your mind and putting it together like a puzzle. The Bible also says, my people are destroyed for their lack of understanding. Yeah. So what you don't know can and will hurt you. Yes, that's right. Lack of understanding is not an excuse with God. The scripture says that he used to wink at ignorance, right? He, he does not wink at ignorance. You should always pray before you read your Bible too. Great advice. Always pray before you read your Bible for understanding. Get yourself, you know what, when it comes to prayer, let me throw this out there. When you begin to pray, whenever that is, there is, you kind of got to walk through the murky waters at first to get the flesh off of you, so to speak. When you start to pray, you got to get your mind kind of, it's like starting a motor and let it warm up, okay? You've got all these things going on in your life. You've got the, the, you've got the electric bill, the gas bill, the house payment. The kids are driving you crazy. The dog's barking. In Julie's case, it went to the bathroom all over the couch. It, you've got to do all this stuff, okay? And then it comes time to pray, all right? And so you're kneeling down, and you go, oh, Lord. And then your mind drifts off to, I'm going to kill that dog. <laughs> and, oh, Lord, okay, I forgot. Um, and I couldn't believe the smell of that thing. Oh, I can't. Oh, Lord, help me. And Tom won't leave me alone. Um, okay. And then finally, you start to get praying, and then, right? And finally, you start to get through all of that and you're, you're talking to Jesus and you're not veering from it. Finally, you're in a place to where you're communicating with God and your mind is fixed on what you're doing. You're no longer distracted by all the carnality of the flesh. The flesh means everything opposite of God. Okay? And when you get to that point and you finish your prayer, read your Bible. Because now you're in tune. It's like playing the guitar. You're in tune. Now you'll read with understanding. If you pick the Bible open and try to read it real quick, it's really hard. Because you've got you to walk through the murky waters. Because you've got to get stuff off your mind where you can concentrate. And ask God, God, as I'm reading this, give me understanding. Clarity. Purity sincerity that i can read it and that i can apply it to my life that's what the apostle paul gave his life for is for you to have the privilege of having the pure word of god that will keep you connected to jesus christ